Hello, Oman, Kudichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This is not just any other fight card this weekend. This weekend is UFC 266, an absolutely stacked fight card from top to bottom, two title fights, five-round fight between Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz. Oh my god, there's so much more great stuff on this card. But of course, those of you who frequent the show already know we will not be talking about any of those fights I just mentioned because they're all on the main card, and this is all about the prelim portion. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking, why just focus on the prelims? Why not talk about those exciting title fights and the big flashback fight and so many other good ones? Curtis Blades is on this main card. Why not talk about him? The answer is really simple. The answer is that we know you know who Curtis Blades is, Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, Lauren Murphy, all of these people, you know who they are, but often the prelims has lots of people you've never heard of and matchups you may not even have thought of. And that's really where there's a lot of money to be won, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, gambling, or hey, maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest. But before we get to breaking down those fights, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there's more previews, recaps, analysis, and podcasts than you can shake a stick at. It's far too much, and when you're looking to get that insight, get that edge when you're making some gambling picks, it can really be hard to block out all the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app. They provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, including yours truly, and all of the incredible content is packaged into an intuitive, fully interactive app right in the palm of your hand. And it's free. That's right, it's free. And there are tons of other great features to the All-Star app that I'm going to tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, go to the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting theallstar.io. Now, in order to break down these friends, I am, of course, joined by a co-host. Joining me today from the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, which you can, of course, follow on Twitter at FixFightsPod. I am being joined by Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure, man. I'm uh, I'm glad to be on this one because this fight card is nasty. Absolutely. And we are going to be breaking down three fights in this very first round that are all, I would say, main event quality on a uh, fight night card. So let's get to it. Let's put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Marlon Marias versus Marab Tavalashvili. So despite contending for a title recently, Marlon Marias has lost two straight and three of four. Those losses come to... Henry Cejudo, Corey Sanhagen, and Rob Font. Marab Devalishvili, since losing his first two fights, has now won six straight. His last win came over Cody Stamen by decision back in May. So my question for you leading into this one is, what do you think the chances are that Marlon Marais is going to be able to fend off 750 takedown attempts? And is he going to be able to get up from the inevitable one that he doesn't stuff enough to win this fight? Uh, I mean, that is the question of the fight, right? This is a classic grappler versus striker match. Um, looking at the odds, it seems like a lot of people are not with me here, but I, I actually favor Marais here. I do think he's going to be able to stop shots and stop them early. I do worry a little bit uh, as the fight progresses, especially late. Marlon does tend to slow down, but I think if he can get his leg kicks going. He has some nasty, nasty leg kicks. I think that could slow Marab down. Um, I'm going to say he's going to be able to stop them early. However, I do I do worry a little bit later in the fight. 
I agree with you. I'm actually going to take Marlon Marias in this one, too. Um, for me, I, I went back and watched a little of that Cejudo fight, and, and he actually stuffed a lot of Cejudo's early takedown attempts. And granted, he did wind up getting caught on the feet at the end of it, but he, I, I don't think he's in danger of being caught by Marab Dvalishvili, which is going to allow him to sort of work that defense towards grappling takedowns again. You know, like he, not for anything. If you go back and watch his fights with those guys I just mentioned, Marab Deval, or not Marab Devalish, really, uh Jose Aldo, Henry Cejudo, Corey Sanhagen, and Rob Font, he t- took them down four times, and they took him down a combined one, uh, which is pretty crazy. So do I think he'll be able to stuff him for the whole fight? No, but do I think he'll be able to stuff him enough to get his hands going? And like you said, his kicks going? I think so. And like you said, at the, the underdog price he's at, it's kind of crazy. If he does win this fight, how do you see him winning it? Um, if he does win it, I think he wins by decision. I think I think Rob is super tough. He has a great chin. Um, I just think I just think Marlon is going to be able to stay on the outside, damage his leg with kicks. And like you said, I don't think he's going to be that uh, in danger on the feet. Not saying Marab doesn't have good striking, but, uh, you know, he doesn't have the striking, the likes of, uh, even a Henry Cejudo, nonetheless, uh, Corey Sanhagen, Jose Aldo, and then, uh, Rob Font, right? So I'm going Marlon Marais by decision. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'll take the exact same thing. And that brings us to our next fight, which may or may not happen thanks to visas, but that's Dan Hooker versus Nazrat Hakbras. Hooker has back-to-back losses to Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. That last fight, of course, back in January. Hakbras, meanwhile, has won two in a row, but against a little bit less impressive opponents, Alex Munoz and Rafa Garcia, both of those by decision, including the latter of which was in March. So my question for you is Hakbras looks like he's really figuring out sort of how to put his game together, how to strike a little bit. Do you think it's risen enough that he should be getting such a step up in competition here all the way up to Dan Hooker? Yeah, by the way, I hope I really do hope this fight happens because it should be a great fight. Um I you know, I I think he might be biting off a little bit more than he can chew because I think stylistically this fight favors Hooker. Um and again, you look at the guys that Hooker's fought, you go all the way back, I mean Dude, just look at – I'm going to just pick a random name. UFC two, uh, UFC Fight Night 2018, Jim Miller, Gilbert Burns, Edson Barbosa, James Vick, Ally Aquinta, Paul Felder, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. That is just a an insane list. I mean he's got Yair Rodriguez on there, uh, Ross Pearson. Dude, this guy's fought everybody. So I think um, – I think Hasbrack is – Fighting off a little bit more than he can chew, uh, I would favor Hooker in this one for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, just go back to that Paul Felder fight when Dan Hooker just like, I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Paul Felder and just slugged with him. Uh, And he put on a clinic, and and not that that Felder didn't look good and some people didn't score that fight for Felder, but like Nasrach Hakparaz does not strike like Paul Felder or Dan Hooker at this point. So then you got to ask yourself, can he take him down consistently enough to win this fight? And I think the answer there is also no. So I'm going to take Dan Hooker. I'm actually going to take him by decision. I think Hawk Paras survives. How do you see him winning? Just to differ from you, I'm going to go Hooker by uh, TKO in the second. All right. And that brings us to our last fight of the first round, which is Shamil Abdurkahimov versus Chris Dawkins. Abdurkahimov had a three-fight winning streak. That was snapped by Curtis Blades. Of course, that was all the way back in September of 2019, which was the last time we saw him. Chris Dawkins, meanwhile, has been busy. 3-0 in the UFC, three first-round knockouts. Parker Porter, Rodrigo Nascimento, and Alexi Olenek. So, I don't know what you think about this layoff, and I don't know that you can think about this layoff all that much, but 
My big question is, is even if he is the same Shamil Abdurakimov, does he have the defensive acumen to be able to avoid those big punches that Dawkins seems to be landing on everybody and their cousin? I don't think so. Um, man, Dawkins not looking at his record. He's on a uh, finish streak dating all the way back to 2017. That includes him being finished by Azuna. I'm not going to even try to pronounce that last name. Anyways, um, yeah, dude, I really like what Dawkins does on the feet. I think Abdurakimov is going to have to find his way to a takedown to try to nullify Dawkins, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Dawkins keeps riding the momentum and uh, extends his streak to five in a row. Yeah, I kind of agree with you here. The thing for me about Abdurakimov, too, is if you look at any of the fights where he's gotten a lot of takedowns or a lot of control time, a lot of it comes off of, like, countering kicks and catching kicks. Like, he did that to, to Derek Lewis back in the day, like, a whole bunch of times before Derek Lewis eventually put his lights out. Um, but he, like, caught kicks and worked them in. And, you know, Dawkins, A, doesn't kick very much, and B, doesn't really give you very many openings to do that because his hands are fast. Mo- yeah, mostly because are. he's Mostly because he's a really light heavyweight, too, right? Like, he's not... He's not one of those big, chunky heavyweights like Abdurakimov is. I think the speed advantage is just so much here. Um, I say Dawkins flatlines him in the first round. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I think Dawkins, I love his striking. Fast hand speed, like you said, fast feet. I think he gets him out of there in the first as well. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break and be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app is got to be the player bios. That's right. If you're doing a little research on, let's say, an upcoming fight between Yair Rosenstroik and Curtis Blades, well, you click on that fight, which is super easy to find in their scores tab to begin with. And not only are you going to get when that fight is happening, but you're going to get the opening and the current lines, which is helpful to know, see where it's moving, plus the opening and current lines for the overs and unders. Again, really helpful to know how it's moving. But this app isn't all just about betting lines. They got full records dating back to their pro debuts and so much more information about these fighters, including interviews, things, all of it is right in the palm of your hand, but only if you go to the All-Star app in the Google Play Store and the Apple Store or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Manon Firo versus Mayra Buena Silva. Firo 2-0 in the UFC. Knockouts of Victoria Leonardo and Tabitha Ricci back-to-back. Silva, meanwhile, 1-1-1 in her last three. She's coming off a draw with Montana De La Rosa. That was in February. My question for you here is Mayra Buena Silva so far in the UFC, and if you can counter Contender Series fight, has only won by submission. She's won three submissions, nothing else on the win column. Do you think she has what it takes to sort of bring Firo into that spot where Firo might be a little less comfortable, which is the ground game? I don't, man. And, and I think non Firo is a name to keep your eye on on this card, especially a, with a division that is um, lacking contenders, right? Especially if Valentina goes out there and starches Lauren Murphy. Now, I'm not saying that Firo with a win here would be next in line, but I think she definitely elevates herself into a big fight. I really like her striking. She's very poised. She's aggressive. Um, I don't – I yeah, I just can't see um, – uh, I'm sorry. Silva. Myra Silva, uh, I'm, I'm blanking here, getting the fight to the ground and being able to hold Firo down to where she has any sort of uh, um, effect on the fight. Yeah, and I will also say this, too. We haven't had to see Firo defend a takedown in the UFC yet, but if you go back to her fights before the UFC, 
she's actually got really good wrestling, both offensively and defensively. It's really surprising for somebody who strikes like that to just, like, suddenly see her hit, like, a, a strong double or a body lock takedown. She's quite good on the mat, too. And I, I'm all in the, the exact same way you said. I, I think she is probably the future of this division, if not soon to be a very close to the top five talent right now. So um, I guess then the only question is, how do you see her getting this one done against Silva? Yeah, man, I think she keeps it on the feet, and I think she blasts Silva. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to say she stops her in the second round. I'll differ just slightly. I say she stops her in the first. I think she's just going to absolutely pour it on her. And that brings us to our next fight, which is a weird one. It is Carl Baby K Roberson versus Nick Maximoff. So Roberson, 4-4 four and four in the UFC. He's lost two in a row, but those losses came to Brendan Allen and Marvin Vittori, both by submission, the latter of which was back in April. Maximoff, meanwhile, is 6-0. and oh. He's making his debut. He won on Contender Series over Asuka Kota back in November, got offered a shot on the Ultimate Fighter, turned it down. Also, it's worth noting that that fight was at heavyweight, where he weighed 209 pounds, a very small heavyweight, now all the way back to middleweight. My question for you here is that Carl Roberson, if you look at all of his losses, they're all, all four of his UFC losses are submissions. Maximoff is a guy who specializes in submissions, but is he high enough level with his takedowns and his stand-up that he can make it go there? This is a, this is a tough debut for Maximoff because his grappling, his wrestling does look good, but Carl Roberson, just like you said, is is a very experienced guy, right? He's lost uh, you know, to Marvin Vittori, who just fought for the title. He did get subbed in his last fight by... Brendan Allen, but he, I mean, he got subbed by Cesar Pajeda, who's a beast. He got subbed by Glover Teixeira, who is a beast. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say yes. I think, I think Maximov is probably hitting Roberson at a good time. But if he cannot get the fight to the ground and keep Carl Roberson down, he is gonna have some problems on the feet because I do like Roberson uh, when he is on the feet and able to throw his hands and his legs. Yeah, and I particularly like Roberson in the clinch, too, and I think that might wind up being what Maximoff has to watch up the most for. If he fails these takedown attempts and winds up up against the cage, elbows to the side of the head, like we saw Roberson knock out Ryan Span with in, on the Contender Series, or like he even stunned Glover Teixeira in that fight with some elbows at one point in time, or at least, you know, like hurt him a little bit. So I think he's got to watch out for that, but ultimately, here's the problem, I think. When you're throwing elbows up against the side of the cage, you're not properly defending a takedown. You're not right, digging for exactly. underhooks. And, and I think that ultimately is what costs Roberson here. Is Roberson is going to be up against the cage. He's going to think offense while he needs to be thinking defense. And I, he's going to wind up on his back. So, I, I, And I think, too, if it goes there, man, I really like Maximov's grappling. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that this is a fight where if it's on the feet, Roberson is going to do damage. If it's on the mat, Maximov can probably finish him. And, and I'm going to tip my hand here. I'm going to take Maximoff by submission, maybe a little bit later than than he typically gets it done. But I think eventually those uh, those takedowns pile up, and and he makes one of them count. How about you? I'm 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 kind of leaning the same way. I do want to. I kind of want to take Roberson, but yeah, I feel like Maximoff is going to have to weather the storm a bit. I think he's going to have to go through some hell. But I think yeah, I think he makes one of these takedowns late in the fight stick. And I think he finishes him with like a, a rear naked choke or something like that later in the fight. All right, and that brings us to our last fight of the first or second round rather, and that is Matthew Samelisberger versus Martin Sano Jr. Samelisberger two and one in the UFC after winning his first two fights. He lost a decision to Chaos Williams back in June. Sano, meanwhile, two or four two and one, making his debut. He's coming off of a draw 
and a pair of losses. He last fought in Bellator in February of 2017, and he hasn't won since 2014. So let's just make this one real quick. Is there anything about what you know about Martin Snow Jr. that even gives you a slight pause before picking Matthew Samoa's Parker? No, I, I it's kind of it's kind of tough to find anything on um, Snow Jr. and I like what I've seen from Smellsberger. He did lose to Chaos Williams in his last fight, but man, that guy has hands. He comes to bang, um, and yeah, I, I think he I think he's going to finish Snow in this fight. I, I like his hands. Yeah, I I, th- I like his hands, and I also think people forget that Smellsberger comes from a wrestling background. Like he was a high school wrestler, so obviously he didn't go to like you know. Ohio State or, or Iowa State or, you know, he didn't go somewhere to wrestle Oklahoma State somewhere afterwards at a big school, but he did have a high school wrestling background. He gave us a really good blast double in his UFC debut. He's fighting a guy who I did get a little bit to watch his draw in Bellator, which was his last fight four years ago. The dude looks like a fish out of water on the mat. Like he looks bad. Um, so I, I think Samelisberger could tag him on the feet. I think he could take him down. It's wild that the UFC hired this dude because he's a friend of Nick Diaz, but uh, it is what it is. I'll take Samelisberger first round finish as well. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, just wanted to hit you with one more thing I really love about the All-Star app, and that's their news feed. If you're the type of person who gets all of your sports news from social media like Twitter, stop that right now. Start reading the All-Star app. They are using a proprietary algorithm to bring you only the highest quality sports news right in the palm of your hand. Plus, you can personalize your feed so that you only get the sports news that you care about, and you get it in one nice, neat little spot. So if this sounds like something you'd like, and I think you would, go to find the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the Apple Store or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jalen Turner versus Uros Medic. So Turner won two straight over Brock Weaver and Josh Kulabau. He, of course, finished both of those guys. And that is after his previous loss um, before that. Medich, meanwhile, got a flying knee knockout in his debut over Alon Cruz. That was back in March. So I- I'm going to ask this question. So Turner has really only failed to beat people who he couldn't really get down, guys who he couldn't you know, beat up on the floor and throw some elbows, even if that's not ultimately the way he finished it. Do you feel like he can get Medich down? And do you feel like he's even going to try to get Medich down? I think it would be smart for him to try to get Medich down because Medich, you know, we saw it in his UFC debut, um, saw it in the Contender Series as well. I mean, the guy is very explosive, um, got good flying attacks. Uh, however, I don't think he is going to be able to ground Medich very often. Um, again, like I, I, I like this guy. I think he's super, super explosive. Um, this should be a really fun fight, though. Yeah, however I, long it lasts. I, I was a little bit disappointed at the matchmaking because while it is a really exciting fight, it's almost a shame to see one of these two taken back a notch. Yeah. Um, like th- these are two guys they could have built because I'm actually very high on both of them. And and I think you're right. I don't know how much sustained success he can have against Eros Medic trying to take him down because Medic has really good footwork, keeps really good distance. Uh, I've seen him dig some really nice underhooks. He's got a decent sprawl. I think he probably stays away from that. So if it does stay on the feet, like I kind of think it will, how do you see this one ending? 
I think Medic gets him out of there, honestly, if it stays on the feet for long periods of time. Again, he's explosive. Like I said, he's got good footwork, good hands, got good flying attacks, good kicks. Um, I would say he gets him out of there in the – I'm going to go second round TKL for uh, Eros Medic. Yeah, I'm going to just agree with you on that one. Yep, 100%. I think he gets him out of there. I think he gets him out of there with the hands um, and fairly quickly. Uh, and that brings us to our next one, which is fan favorite Roxanne Matafari versus Talia Santos. Matafari one in three in or one in two in her last three, rather. She was most recently beat by Viviana Arruyo. That was by decision back in January. Santos, meanwhile, has won two straight. She beat Beatball Molly McCann and Jillian Robertson, both by decision, the latter of which was in December. So my question to you on this one. Roxanne's best attribute seems to be sort of dragging somebody into deep waters, getting takedowns, just being an absolute grinder. Do you give her any chance to try to pull that kind of stuff on Talia Santos here? Man, it's hard, and, and she's had a rough go about it lately. I mean, you look at some of the names she's fought, and it doesn't get any easier now against Talia Santos. Um, yeah, Roxy's best bet is to try to... She's she, she's good just when she gets to the clinch and she can get these kind of like ugly takedowns and, and kind of grind on top. I just don't know. I don't know if she's going to be able to get there enough against Talia Santos. And, and the longer it stays on the feet, I think Roxy could start to get picked apart um, and hurt. This is another just really tough fight for her. Yeah, and it's worth noting that this fight was originally supposed to be Tatiana Suarez, which certainly wasn't any yeah, easier. No easier, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and I kind of agree with you on this. I think she does her best work in the clinch, and when she can grind, and when she can get those body lock takedowns and weird trips and things like that, I don't think she's going to do any of that to Talia Santos. And that comes as somebody who, I am like a bona fide Roxanne Modafari fan, and I think this is just the worst possible matchup for her. I think she's going to get picked apart on the feet. That being said, I think Roxy is one of the more durable women on the planet. So I'm going to say this one goes to decision. I'll take Santos by decision. How about you? Yeah, Roxy is very, very durable. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of lean towards Santos as well. Um, pains me to say, but yeah, I'll go Santos by decision. We are 8 for 8 agreeing, so let's see if we can get one disagreement at the end. And that is our very last fight, which is Omar Morales versus Jonathan Pierce, JSP. Morales, 3-1 and one in the UFC. That only loss came when he lost to Giga Chikadze, which is certainly no shame in that fight. After that, he beat Shane Young by decision. That was back in March. Pierce, meanwhile, lost his UFC debut to Joe Lozon, dropped down to featherweight, and grounded-pounded out Kai Kamaka. That was back in November. He was supposed to fight Gabriel Benitez in between there. Benitez badly missed weight, and Pierce would not take the fight. So this is his first fight since then. My question for you is, Omar Morales seems like a guy, while he mixes in the takedowns occasionally, would prefer to just slug. If this does stay on the feet the whole time, do you think Pierce stands a chance with just throwing with Morales? Talk about a throwback name, Joe Lozon, the man. Um, I, I really like Omar Morales. I like, uh, I like his striking a lot. Uh, I mean, Jonathan Pierce has been a bit... Um, you know, he only fought once in 29 or no, he fought twice in 2019, once in 2020. He had, yeah, like you said, the Gabriel Benitez fight was canceled. Sean Woodson fight was canceled. Um, I think he could probably hang on the feet, but the longer it goes, the more it stays on the feet, the more he gets comfortable. I, I like Omar Morales, Omar Morales in this fight. Yeah, I sort of agree with you. I think if he starts to get comfortable, which we've seen when he's not comfortable, he can be really tentative, right? Like in that fight with 
with Giga Chikadze, he wasn't really throwing anything in that fight that looked like he even wanted to hit Chikadze. He was so far away. He was missing things. Sometimes he just wasn't throwing things at all. Um, but, like, when he's really comfortable in there like he was against Shane Young, he was piecing him up. And granted, there's a right. huge gap between Shane Young and Giga Chikadze. Um, that, obviously, Jonathan Pierce might fall somewhere in the middle there. But I guess now, then the question is, is that does this stay on the feet for all the time? Because Jonathan Pierce does have some pretty good grappling. He did finish his opponent last time with ground and pound. Do you see him being able to take it there? I think he'll be able to get some takedowns. I think he'll be able to mix it up. But uh, I don't think he'll be able to to hold Morales down for long enough to where he can find his way to any submissions or anything. Um, Yeah, I think Morales pops back to his feet enough and does enough work on the feet. So it sounds like you're leaning Morales. How do you like him in this one then? I like him. I'll, I'll take him by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he does stop him. All right. And this is going to be the one we differ on then. I am going to take Jonathan Pierce in this one. I think there we go. I think you're right. I, I think this probably goes to decision. I wouldn't be surprised really if either guy stopped him. But like you said, I think he's going to have enough success with the grappling that he's going to, like, steal a couple of rounds that maybe even most people don't agree that he stole. But, like, I think that that's going to look better. And also, if he lands a couple of those takedowns, there is a possibility that uh, Omar Morales just looks maybe a little bit more tentative being weary of that takedown. So, yeah, I'm going to go with GS or JSP, rather, and uh, take him in this one. And that's going to do it for the end of our Third round, we gave you nine fights in just under 20 minutes, so we hope you guys learned a little bit something about these prelims. Granted, there were some pretty big names on it, but we were here anyway to educate you on them. Once again, I want to thank my co-host. You can catch him on the Fix Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben, which you can follow on Twitter at FixFightsPod, and you can follow him on Twitter at KCPKO. Kurt, thanks so much for the time, man. Always a pleasure, dude. Can't wait to do it again.